Welcome to Invest Stories. Whether you're a seasoned pro looking for that next step or a newbie investor not sure where to start, Invest Stories unlocks the mindset, strategies, and techniques of high performers across business, real estate, and investing to help you level up your journey to financial freedom. This is Invest Stories. Booyah! Welcome to the all new Investories podcast. We, if it's all new, Kyle, should we still keep the booyah? Are you kidding me? That's the only reason people listen to this. Booyah! Everybody yeah, loves so the booyah. If you want to keep the booyah, write a review. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. Yeah, if or you don't, don't like the booyah, don't, don't like it. Yeah. Actually, that's going to backfire. Anyway, welcome yeah. to Investories. I'm John Hooper, your host, and with me is Kyle Robertson, co host. Kyle Robertson. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm good, bud. How are you? Good. Yeah. How's yeah. your How's your week going? It's good. It's it's doing. It's it was. It's been good. My sister was out. She got to visit for a little while. So she lives in Texas. Flew all the way over here to to the West Coast. So it was it was fun to see her. And I picked up a new sport. Oh, what's the sport? I'm gonna wait for you to ask me what it is. What is uh, it? pickleball? Have you ever oh, yeah. played? Have you ever played pickleball before? Yeah, it's where you throw a pickle at someone. It, no, not, I know what it not is. Not quite. Slow tennis, right? It's slow old person tennis. Yeah. Old person tennis. And, which uh, I like. It's actually not that slow, especially if you play one on one. And and uh I, I've been I've played like three times this week just because I've been sitting here trying to figure out, you know, we talked about uh the, the mindset episode we had uh a couple weeks ago. We talked about how to stay in shape and everything, making things fun, you know, and, and I was not getting any cardio whatsoever. I was just going to the gym and lifting a bunch, so trying to figure out how to get some cardio in there and somebody suggested doing pickleball. So I was like, all right, I'll try pickleball out. Freaking love it. I think it is such a blast. It's a, it's a lot of fun to play. I want to play it. It sounds good. It sounds like just a fun, there, like, fun game. No, well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good videos online. If you want to make fun of it, it it's <laughs> which, which no, is, I'm like, not making fun of it. Oh, I know. No, it. I know you're not. I'm just saying it's like the most made <laughs> fun of sport in the world because everybody's like, I, I I don't even know what this now, is. Surely you know, that's anything Frisbee related, isn't it? Uh, you know, they don't, I don't know. I don't ever see anything about that, but I see, th- I see funny videos about pickleball all the time. Cause people are just like, yeah, what the heck is this? It's whatever. <laughs> Where did it come from? Hey, here's you know? my, as someone that goes for walks around the neighborhood with a, with a wide brimmed, like sporty kind of <laughs> paddleboard hat on, do, do you do whatever makes you happy? Cause who cares by the end of yeah. the day, right? Yeah, exactly. But that, that, that's really all I've been doing is I've been trying to, we're building a house right now, so that's taken up the majority of our of our capital. I haven't really been doing a whole lot of business, so we've been trying to do some fun <laughs> stuff and figuring out some some ways to enjoy life a little bit. Summertime, you know, spending time with the kids. So, what about you, John? Yeah. What have you been up to? Well, I nearly keeled over from uh, heat exhaustion the other day, so that oh, was fun. How'd you do that? I um, I listened to the man in Cupertino on my iPhone when I looked at oh. the temperature, and then when I went for a run, it turns out it was way hotter. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. How far did you run? You know, like three miles. But you know, when you're running and your hands are kind of tightening, and you're yes. like, "This this feels well. strange. I should probably stop." Yeah. It was listen kind of listen to the body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, it's pro- probably be all right. Let's <laughs> buy a lake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah. So w- welcome to. I guess we're we're sort of saying new investories. We're we're kind of retooling. Um, we want to bring you guys as much value as possible. And we've been kind of trying to think about what that looks like. Uh, what kind of content would we like to listen to and um, what kind of conversations. So we're really ramping up the focus on the tactics 
and on how people are kind of crushing it in the, in what they do and how people less the kind of history lesson and more the kind of taking action thank you for watching invest stories don't forget um, to like what, share what and subscribe um, thank you for listening kind of to invest stories if you like what you've heard get you please consider sharing and writing a five-star review conversation so this is invest stories monday mindset thank you for listening to invest stories we'll be back tomorrow with tuesday techniques shoot us an email this is invest stories tuesday techniques check us out thank you for listening to invest stories we'll be back tomorrow with wednesday wins this right, is Invest Stories right, Wednesday we're, we're Wins. Bunch. I think Thank so. you for listening yeah. to Invest Stories. I don't know what everybody else Check thinks. Check out the full show yeah, on no, no, Friday on not. YouTube yeah. and wherever yeah. you get your podcasts. <laughs> so yeah, get in touch. And that could be uh, long-term rentals, mid-term rentals, syndication. It could be something we haven't thought about yet. Storage. It could be, I don't know, marinas, maybe. Investing in yachts. Yeah, uh, airplane or, hangers. I've heard about that before. Yeah, that's a hangers. thing. Airplane hangers. That's yeah. pretty cool. Or short-term rental, which brings me on to today's conversation. See what I did there, Carl. Slick. That was a good segue. That was a solid, yeah, solid. It's pretty good, pretty solid. And then yeah. talking about it probably takes the edge off of it. Anyway, <laughs> today, um, today we've got Trish and Laurie, and they've they uh, they run Remote Host Hub, uh, and it's all about the education of um, hosting short-term rentals so airbnb verbo and actually self-hosting and that's the really interesting part is like how do you cut the middle person out of um you know management fees that kind of stuff and i feel like we scrape the surface with this conversation but equally we give you some really good we, yeah <laughs> they give you some really good tactics on how to select markets how to find properties how to set up properties uh tons and tons of great content kyle any i've kind of said everything but anything to add to that list yeah it, it got me thinking and you know they they painted a picture and of what it, of what it's like to do you know and i'm not in the short-term rental space like i've said a thousand times but it's I, i'm super fascinated by it and they they did a really great job of of describing what their process is and it got me thinking about how you know as far as society is concerned there are so many different subsets off of one industry you know think about short-term rental as an industry. And now you've got cleaners, you've got management. And then, you know, if you decide to do your own direct booking website, you've also got, you know, um, web hosting and all these other things. And it's like what, what they're doing with this, with uh, a direct booking website really does save you a tremendous amount of money, mm -hmm. a tremendous amount of logistics. And they're here to teach you. They, they want to tell you all about it. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll talk about that at, toward the end of the episode there. And you can find out how to get in touch with them and how to essentially, like John said, cut out that middle person and, and make your, your business more profitable. Yeah. And they also offer up a ton of tools and resources um, directly on their website. So the link should be in the show notes, um, but really worth going to, to check out. And I think the, uh, the other thing that really... Um, early on and then kind of looping back to the later part of the conversation is is the tribe building piece yeah and it is kind of not working in isolation it's finding people who are trying to do the same thing as you and learning and growing together and holding each other to account so there's some really good conversations around that uh, as well so uh yeah without further ado here's the episode Welcome to the Investories podcast, Trish and Laurie. Laurie, yes. right? Laurie. Did I say your name right? It's Laurie. 
So we have we have a fun uh, game, right, Kyle? That I just mess up everyone's names. It doesn't matter who. It's it's always going to be like fifty percent of the time. So I guess I've I've proved that rule. Um, Trish and Laurie are, are um, you know, ex accountants. So we're going to talk about that for sure because I'm terrible with accounting. Uh, Kyle, you're, no, you're pretty good, right? Gosh, no. That is the one part of my business that I avoid like the plague. I pay stupid amounts of money to have other people do that stuff for me. So, no. Yeah. There you go. There you go. The the smart people. Uh, And they're founders of Remote Host Hub. And Remote Host Hub is all about uh, how can you self-manage and cut out that 40% middle person uh, who likes to take a little bit of cut of your your short-term rental income. And we're going to talk about systems, processes, and lessons learned from that accounting background and kind of how you can uh, apply those. And also then just the general journey of uh, how do you go from being an accountant to uh, throwing kind of caution to the wind and becoming a full-time uh, investor. So thank you both for, for coming yeah, on, the, thanks for on the show. Us. Thanks for having So let's start at the start. And we're going to have to field questions weirdly. I don't think we've had this, Kyle, with uh, four lines, right? Four lines? You mean four people at once? Is that what you're talking about? Four, four, oh, yeah. Four we've, it's, yeah. It's been a minute. But yeah, yeah, we, we're going to handle this. We're, yeah, <laughs> the, the thing is, the, the rule is if there's two people talking, then you got to do, you know, rock, paper, scissors to see who gets to go first. So we'll, we'll pause the show. As you, yeah, great yeah. for audio, Kyle. <laughs> we go on YouTube, so we'll be able to see the whole thing. It's going to be super exciting. <laughs> That's yeah. true. That's true. So. But uh, Lori, Lori so, and Trish, if, if you don't mind, you know, I, I'm curious about, uh, uh, I guess, kind of your background, more or less, you know, we talk about origin stories on here all the time and, and how you guys got to know one another. You're both accountants. So did, were you accountants together? I guess, is that how you guys, how you guys met? Or was that just a common, a common back piece that, that got you guys to start talking and, and think of business? Yeah. So, um, so we actually met through GoBundance Women's Group. Um, so we were in a short-term rental pod together, and um, we were actually just getting started with our business, and we wanted to make sure that we weren't going to be creating another job for ourselves. I was quitting my job because I was getting tired of having to ask permission for anything that I wanted to do in my life, you know, having to ask for time off or you know, people saying that I couldn't have time off because I didn't have enough accrued, things like that. Um, So when I decided to quit my job, I needed something that was going to cash flow enough that it could cover what I was making on my W-2. So short-term rentals was a good option uh, for that. And then when we were first getting started investing, we didn't know what we were doing. So being part of a pod and having other like-minded people that we could talk to and ask questions, you know, that was really helpful. So Trish and I kind of got to know each other over wanting to create systems for our business because we didn't want to create another job for ourselves. So we started writing standard operating procedures for our businesses together. That's awesome. Um, in terms of finding that 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 pod or that tribe of people of like-minded people, you said GoBundance Women. What what does that look like? What's that program? So GoBundance is a mastermind. Um, they have a men's side and a women's side, and it's for people who are um, kind of entrepreneurial minded 
and um, looking to kind of grow in all different aspects of their life, um, personal life, um, business, and things like that. So they have like different, um, as she said, pods, but it's just like different groups of different special interests. So that was kind of how we came about. Interesting. And uh, it's kind of a, sorry, John, did I interrupt you there? <laughs> you did. But I'm Won't be the ahead. last time, I'm sure. So I, I like, I like hearing people talk about these sorts of things. And John and I have had, I don't know how many people on where we've talked about, you know, different types of masterminds and pod groups and and things like that. And Lori, I don't know if you were involved in any of the pods from the Maui mastermind or not, but, uh, but I am. And it's been one of the most beneficial parts of my business, I think. And um, what is it, what has it done for you? And is it highly, you know, I, this is not a supposed to be a discussion on GoBundance, obviously, because there are a handful of different programs out there, but you know, I think we can have, I, we can be honest and say, is the money well spent on this sort of thing? Cause that's something somebody always wants to know. GoBundance is not cheap. I know that. Is it worth the money? Do you, do you feel like you are getting a good return on your investment into the program? I mean, obviously you and Lori met up and now you've got your own, your own education business. So you're getting a return there. So do you recommend, I'm not just saying GoBundance is a specific one, but just in general, is this something that people need to be seeking out? Yeah, I think so. I've been, I think both Trish and I have been in a handful of different masterminds or accountability groups. We both did Jason DeRee's coaching for a while. Um, like you said, I have my pod with the uh, Maui Mastermind. Um, so we meet bi-weekly. Um, I think it just really helps to have people that keep you accountable, like GoBundance really had a good system of keeping you accountable and making sure that you're hitting your goals and people are actually there that you have to answer to if you're not hitting your goals. Um, so I, I'm not in GoBundance currently, and the only reason I transitioned out is because they were kind of going through a new transition with their leadership. Um, but I would definitely join again and I'm actually considering it. And I know Trish is still in there so she can give more insight into that also. Yeah, I like it. Um, I think it's good because it's not just uh, business focused, which is great because I mean, the reason that we got into short-term rentals was because we wanted to leave our W2 jobs and, not have another job, you know, we wanted to have a lifestyle that kind of we build our jobs around the lifestyle, not the lifestyle around the job. So I think that's really important. I think a lot of people in GoBundance are in the same mindset. I think that that's really admirable. And, you know, thinking beyond just numbers and like, I want, I want to earn X or I want to do X. It's really, uh, really interesting when people have like this design of a lifestyle around um that's kind of what my business is going to empower or push forward is that that piece what was the i guess trish in terms of the process or the conscious decision to step away from your w2 what did that look like was it just oh real estate that sounds like a good idea or what there's got to be a few steps right so what did that look like so um, it's kind of funny. Um, so I have always been interested in real estate because I love the idea of making money while you're sleeping, right? So like that, whenever I heard that, I don't even know when, um, I thought that was the greatest idea ever. So um, I was in, I was working for a real estate investment group and I was in the accounting department 
And it really wasn't, um, I was looking for short-term rentals at the time, but I didn't take the leap until I was told that the partnership was dissolving and I wasn't going to have a job anymore. So that was the point where I was like, oh, okay, I guess this is happening uh, for me instead of to me. And I decided to um, really take the leap. I was looking anyway at short-term rentals at the time, but that just pushed me into it because I was like, you know what? This is, I mean, you think your job is stable, right? And then things like that happen and you're like, well, it really wasn't that stable to begin with. So I might as well work for myself. So what's interesting is the, and, and Laurie, you're probably uh, able to talk to this as well, is the step from, so we have a short-term rental and the, there's, I don't find it that stable. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's just the, the risk averse version of me is like, this is, you know, this is, this is scary at times. Uh, so why short-term rentals, I guess, Trish? Well, short-term rentals, there were a couple reasons. One was um, the cash flow. The cash flow was if you buy right and you know you have an idea, like it's it, it's better than a long-term rental usually. Um, you're making more than a couple hundred bucks a month. And then um, the other thing was the lifestyle, of course, um, being able to use it, uh, being able to go to different places and not have to worry about you know finding a hotel or um, you know, those kinds of things are perks that I say, and having a place where you can invite your family and friends to come, um, is another perk. So those were the kind of things that I was looking for aside from just the cash flow. But the cash flow is pretty nice, right? <laughs> well, the cash flow is pretty nice. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I have not, uh, I haven't dabbled in the, the short-term rental space. I'm a hundred percent long-term rentals and it's, I'm trying to pick my words carefully here. Um, when when things change, which everything does, everything goes through an economic cycle, and you get th- long term rentals are are no exception to this. You know, when you're operating something like a short term rental, do you feel like, or is it just an outsider's view, my own, looking in, thinking that uh, does does it feel like you're overexposed because now you you're when you're I guess catering to a particular niche market like vacations. Um, if a, if the economy does really take a dive, my thought is, okay, well, the very first thing that's going to go away when people don't have expendable income is going to be vacations. Have you seen that? Have you had, have you seen, you know, since we've been having this, this whole interest rate thing going on for the last year and a half, have you seen vacancy rates start to go up and uh, issues? Cause I, I've, I've seen and heard some from some people, but I'm not really in that space deeply. So curious what you're observing. Yeah, I would definitely say there's been a big change since, you know, during COVID, everything shut down. And then immediately after, everyone had this huge desire to travel, right? So Airbnb just boomed. Everything went crazy. And then everyone and their mom decided that they're going to be a short-term rental host, even though they had no idea what they were doing. You know, they could just put up a house for rent and anyone would pay an exorbitant amount of money to stay there. Didn't matter, you know, what kind of amenities they had, what kind of house people just wanted to get out of their house. So a lot of people came into the market and there were a lot of properties that turned into short-term rentals. So people talk about oversaturation in the industry. Um, and then, like you're saying, you know, that now that there's an economic downturn, people aren't traveling as much. 
But I think it really depends on your market, the market you chose, the property and how you've set it, set it up, how you've made it stand out. Um, so I've definitely seen, I would say people are more uh, price conscious than they were. I wouldn't necessarily say that my occupancy is that much different. Like it seems like people are still traveling just as much, you know, the summers um, in hot springs are still super busy. Um, you know, summer to fall in Blue Ridge is still very busy. It's just people are looking for the deal a little more often, I would say. Um, and I think it also stems back to having really great reviews and people see that you're a good host. Um, so some of those people that don't necessarily know what they're doing are maybe getting bad reviews. And even though it looks like a good house, they're, you know, not really running it like a business. They're running it like a hobby. Um, so I think there's a number of things you can do to combat against it, but we also, you know, strictly invest in vacation markets because we also don't want to be affected by the short-term rental regulations. Like that's a, another big thing that's happening to people where they invest in residential areas and then the neighbors get mad and then they want short-term rentals to go away. And now what do you do? Um, but in our markets, you know, I, I would say that our homes are luxury enough that it's maybe not as affected by, you know, some of the people that are affected by an economic downturn. Um, and also it's our, the places that I've invested in are also great second home markets. So it's not even necessarily that people only travel there, but they'll buy second homes there. So even if it came to selling, there's still a market there. Makes sense. Uh, I, and I, I want to touch on that just a little bit more and, and kind of go over one of the questions I'm going to ask you is about rules of buying short-term rentals, kind of, I guess, what your buy box is and why. Um, not just what, I don't want to know, just know the what, but we'll talk about the why. But I, I had a question that popped up in my head that, so I wanted to back up for just a second. And because we, we do talk about mindset a lot here. When I first met you a couple of years ago now, Lori, um, that, yeah, I know. Long time, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but th this was, this was not, this was not your thing. This wasn't, this was at least not at that time. When I met you, you were the storage unit, mm -hmm. queen, right? If I remember correctly. And, and I believe you were buying, and I'm, I'm just going back to solely by memory, Kansas. Um, I was in Stillwater, right? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Dang it. I knew Close. it was one of those mid Midwest states. Close. And, and when we spoke, I don't know, it was, I think it was probably at last year's uh, meetup over in Maui. You, you said that this was just not something that you were interested in continuing or growing any further, but your original plan was to be, you know, really, really big into the storage unit space. Um, can you talk to what happened there? What, what did you like or dislike about the storage unit space and, and what shifted in your mindset to, to move toward the short-term rental space. Yeah. The hilarious thing is actually while we were in Maui, I was in the middle of purchasing my homes in Blue Ridge for short-term rentals. So I was in the middle of a 1031 exchange. I was selling my um, storage facility in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, and during that, that's kind of when I discovered that maybe I didn't want to invest in storage facilities anymore was, um, I was underwriting deals and it just started to feel very heavy to me. 
Like it just didn't feel good. I am not, I am a minimalist, like to my core. It drives my husband crazy because he thinks like everything looks like a psych ward because I don't decorate anything. Like you can see my walls are very plain. Um, so the idea, like just the idea of storage, I think internally didn't make me feel good. And then um, I just didn't like the deals. Like it, it was just, I know a lot of people say like boring makes money, but it was just boring and I didn't like it. And so it didn't feel good. I wasn't finding anything. I was going to lose $75,000 if I didn't go through with this 1031 exchange. Um, so then I think I was talking to James, my husband, about potentially getting into short-term rentals because, you know, you can buy a house pretty quick. Uh, it was kind of just starting to, you know, it was kind of that time frame, um, the end of 21, where a lot of people were getting invested into short-term rentals. Um, but it was like, hey, we could buy these houses. It's a great cash-on-cash -cash return. We were estimating about 20%. We would save $75,000 in taxes, and it was something that we could close quickly within that 1031 timeframe. I think I had maybe five days left on my identification period when we were in Maui. So um, every morning, you know, that's the great thing about being in Maui, and I was negotiating in the uh, East, uh, East Coast, so it was like a six-hour time difference. So I'd be up at four in the morning because I was already three hours ahead. And um, I'd be up at four in the morning talking to my real estate agent before we would go into workshops and stuff like that, negotiating these contracts. So, yeah, that's kind of, I guess, just the kind of my gut feeling, like an internal feeling that I had that I just didn't love storage facilities. And, you know, I'd probably get back into it at some point, but right now. Like, I just love the idea of short-term rentals. I love vacation. I love travel. I love creating these amazing experiences and memories for people. So it's just kind of a, a feel-good investment for me right now. That, that's awesome. I, yeah, I, I like the hosting side of it. I say I like it. My wife does a really good job of the <laughs> management and communication side, and we have a badass cleaner who just um, is just you know second to none all all of our reviews mention how clean the place yeah. is which is always a good sign i think um trish in terms of in terms of finding a property finding a market maybe what's your and and carl said the words exactly earlier the buy box what what kind of um what do you apply to uh, find the perfect property so i i look at um vacation areas like Lori said um i don't really buy outside of typical vacation areas. The areas are usually places that were having short-term rentals before it was like cool. So like the Pocono mountains have been short-term rental area for over a hundred years. So, I mean, that market is based, based primarily on vacation rentals. Um, so places like that, I also like to have drivable distances from some major cities. So in the Pocono Mountains, there's New York City, there's Philadelphia, there's D.C., and they're all within uh, within three, three to four hour drive. So, I mean, that was huge, especially during COVID. Um, and the other things I look for is, can two families comfortably stay in the place? 
I like to have a property that has at least four bedrooms because even in an economic downturn, you may not take the vacation by yourself, but if you split it with another family, then um, it's more affordable. Um, if it's drivable from your home, you know, those are the kinds of places that people go when they're maybe not flying to Hawaii or flying to Europe. Um, they can do a less, it's still a vacation, but it's a little less expensive and, and, you know, you can split the cost with other people. So those are my like three main criteria that I would say. And I'm curious, this, I guess this question would be for either or both of you. And one of the biggest questions that I always get and not just, just not in the short-term rental space, but just in general is how do you pay for these? And I'm not saying, where does your money come from? I'm saying, well, I guess I am. I'm saying, where does the money for the purchase of the property come from? You know, not, not necessarily your down payment, which if you want to share that, you're more than welcome to, but more along the lines of how are, are these being financed with DSCR loans? Are these being financed with second home mortgages um, and all the rules that come along with those particular types of financing? Uh, or are you paying cash? And what do you usually tell your students in the remote host or the remote host club whenever they ask that question? Just straight cash. So I think no, our, just our yeah, <laughs> just, 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 just make it rain all the time, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. No, go ahead, Trish. Sorry. I would say um, we definitely do very differently um, for now. I mean, I did second home loans um, with 10% uh, down payments um, to start. And, you know, you can still get, even if you have, you know, um, if you've exhausted your second home loans, there are still ways to do 15% down as long as your DTI is okay. Um, but once you're out of there, uh, Lori can probably talk to more of like the DSCR type loans. I know she's used those. Yeah. So, um, so we have five short-term rentals right now. So the first one we bought as a second home, like it was really just intended. It's in mountain town out here, Cleelum. Uh, about an hour and a half from me. So it was really just going to be a second home for us. Um, but then after COVID and we started going back to work, we uh, weren't using it as much. So that's why we kind of turned it into a short-term rental. So we bought that one with a second home loan. Um, the Blue Ridge properties, we had the 1031 exchange, but then um, we used a DSCR loan uh, through a company called Vizio. And so there's a couple of things about DSCR loans. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, my, our DTI is totally out the window because my husband works, but we have a bunch of properties, you know, banks don't want to loan to me because they think I can't afford it. Um, so this DSCR loan, you know, we wanted to keep, we also wanted to keep our credit report open because we knew that we were going to be buying a new primary residence. And this is something to keep in mind is there's a lot of DSCR products out there, but some of them will still hit your credit report. So they'll still completely screw your DTI. So we needed a, a DSCR loan that would not affect our DTI so that when we sold our primary house, we could buy a new primary house. So we used that type of DSCR, doesn't hit your credit report, they only qualify it based on, they use actually AirDNA numbers um, to make sure that you can afford the house. So that was the Blue Ridge properties. And then um, the Hot Springs properties, we started with hard money. It was a uh, Burr and B. 
So we started with hard money, remodeled it, refinanced it into a DSCR loan. So I'm going to ask the the question Carl was probably thinking of, which is, where did the hard money come from? Is that private lending? Is that family friends <laughs> under the couch? Yeah, um, so a combination. So I used a <laughs> hard money lender. Um, certain lending is one that's pretty big up here. So I've done a handful of deals with them. Uh, so I used certain lending. And then I also had a private note for the um, for the remodel part of it. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I like that. That's yeah. I I hadn't heard of the the mm-hmm. Burr method for Airbnb. Burr and B. Yeah, that's what a lot of people call it. Uh huh. They've got there a catchphrase for everything <laughs> nowadays, don't they? I know. We should yeah. we should do an yeah, episode Brandon of just with it. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. No, don't don't give don't give him credit. Come on now. This is Laurie's thing. Or that's, oh, a, that's what Brandon would do, right? Yeah, I like it. You've got to claim that, Laurie. <laughs> Never admit that. Stated yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. Laurie, I wanted to, um, you both have extremely nice backgrounds behind you. Not You're not just in a garage like I am um, or an office like Kyle. In terms of setting up a uh, short-term rental, where do you, I guess, where do people go wrong or what's kind of the best practice to uh, set up your your rental for success. Yeah. Trish, do you want to take it? Oh, sure. So there's a lot of different ways, um, that you could do it. And I am not, I'll just say, I'm not a designer. I, I'm not into design. I, if I have to do it, I will work my magic as best <laughs> I can, as you can see, but it's not, not a design by any means. Um, so my, My go-to is hiring a designer, um, whether it be locally or, um, you know, someone online to kind of just put things together. Um, I, if you can buy a house that's furnished, go for it. I think that's like the way to go because it'll, even if you don't like the furniture or even if um, you're not going to keep everything, you have a starting point and a set point and you can change paint colors. You can change different things to kind of make it look nice in the pictures. And, and if the furniture is really nice, then that's a bonus. Um, plus you have the option of, uh, financing the furniture basically over 30 years or whatever your mortgage is. Um, so I have bought houses, um, that were fully furnished and I've, uh, hired a designer for the ones that were far away, like Florida, so far away that I was not going to fly. Um, and stay there for two weeks to set it up and design it. Just not part of my lifestyle that I could do that with two kids. So um, I hired someone local that was that was actually had some uh, Airbnbs under her belt, and she was was very good at the timelines, and she was very good at getting things. At this point, it was kind of a time where you couldn't get furniture, you couldn't really get things in stock. So we were like, "What's in stock? What will look good?" You know. Um, just kind of trying to pull it all together within my time frame, which was like, like a month. So I, it worked out. Um, I wouldn't say it was, you know, one of these, like where they send you the, the, the visual board and like all this stuff. And I was like, yes, I want the peach, you know, and this, I wasn't like that. I was like, all right, is this going to look good? Is this going to look good in pictures? And can we get it done in this time frame? That's more of my style of setting things up. 
that's awesome i think that, that that's really interesting because there's a we got ours and it was fully furnished we had to get rid of some of the awful furniture mm-hmm. but a lot of it stayed they left us a really nice kind of oak table with a bench on either side and stuff like that it's, it's it was was super nice um so i'm going to ask you both the question what's the one thing that everyone should have in their short-term rental the, or the one you know, non-negotiable item bedroom yeah that's definitely okay well i was hoping beyond that's super important (laughs) um well the one thing that i always like to have is a sofa bed like i know some people are against it but you know it adds another two people um whether you always have it or if it's just like you know you can also charge extra for it which i used to do i don't do it anymore but like say that you have enough uh space for six people but then you have a sofa bed so that would make eight you can say well this amount of money is for six people if you want to use the sofa bed it's going to be another 20 bucks a person because you know it's extra laundry all that stuff but if they don't use it then you know they don't have to pay for it but i really love having sofa beds in my places awesome um i'm I'm curious Lori and uh, Trish, I'm not trying to exclude you here. Um, it's more of a, a question about having your your own management platform. Um, I know that you have a, a direct booking website for your Airbnbs, or I guess for your short-term rentals, not Airbnbs. Um, but, you know, I, I've, I've been listening to some of the chatter amongst a lot of hosts. And a lot of other hosts are saying things like they're just really unhappy with the way that Airbnb is operating. Well, you know, this isn't a bash Airbnb's you know, time, this is, this is not what I'm trying to do more along the lines of, you know, I think there's can be, there can be a lot of savings there if you can bypass that platform. And you've done that by creating your own direct booking sites. So what went into that for somebody who, who's operating short-term rentals or midterm rentals, like, I don't want to pay this anymore, especially because my, my numbers are down over, you know, year over year from last year. I mean, money invested, uh, if you wouldn't mind talking about that sort of thing, setting up your own direct booking, and then also you got to do SEO and, and all these different things so that people can actually find you. What's that look like? And, and Trish, I don't know if you're doing this. That's the only reason I didn't direct the question towards you. But if you have insight there, uh, please feel free to chime in. Yeah, I think we both do it. The yeah, same way. yeah. So we both have direct booking sites. So actually through our property management software, which is what keeps our calendar. We're on Airbnb and Verbo. So it keeps our calendar from double booking. It integrates with our dynamic pricing software. Um, it sends out all of our message templates, but there's also, we use Guesty for hosts and they have a direct booking platform through their uh, software. So once I decided that I wanted to have a direct booking website, um, I wanted it to directly, you know, as few clicks as possible for people to be able to um, check out. But it's really challenging to set up the calendar and all that stuff to make it work. Like there's a lot of technology garbage behind it. So all that to say, what I have is I have a landing page that is my Golden Deer Escapes. That's my company. So it's a Golden Deer Escapes website that's just a landing page if you click book now it'll take you to my guesty site so that side is all taken care of through guesty um money invested i did try to hire someone on fiverr for like 500 bucks to do it they said that they could do the whole shebang 
Turned out they could not. Um, total waste of money, although I did get my money back. Um, so I decided I would just do it myself. Uh, I used WordPress. And it's pretty easy to just, you know, kind of lay the whole thing out. Um, and then you just, all your buttons just go to Guesty. So then the booking platform is all already set up. Um, we have a device called, um, there's a company called Stayfy. And that's like a access point that you plug into your Wi-Fi router. And what it does is it acts just like as if you go to Starbucks, right? And you want to use the Wi-Fi. You have to put in your name and your email address, and then you get free Wi-Fi. So it does the exact same thing in our short-term rentals. So people have to put in their name and their email. So even though when someone books through one of the OTAs, Airbnb or Verbo, um, you get the person who's booking, you get their contact information, but you don't get the eight people that stay with them, right? So if you do StayFi, then you can collect those additional eight email addresses, and then you can send emails to them too and say, hey, thank you so much for staying at Logan Lodge. We'd love to have you back. Here's a 10% discount for when you return. So it's a great marketing strategy for getting some of those return guests. And we only offer it to guests that are good guests. If something happens, they don't make it on the list. Um, but yeah, that's definitely something that we started doing right away. Um, and we love getting return guests. We advertise it in the um, rental as well, that if they want to book direct, our website's there um, so that they can save. It's like 15% on their side. Honestly, the saving isn't, savings isn't huge on our side, um, but it's really them. So if they're asking you for a discount, if you can kind of sneakily do it, we have ways that we can kind of, you know, in all of our pictures, we have our logo that has our website on it um, that are posted on Airbnb. So if they're smart about it, then they can figure out how to get to our direct booking site and save like 15 to 20% on fees. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna do that. That's that's really smart. I hadn't thought about that. Gotta be careful. Uh, we've had and we've had like more word of mouth bookings mm -hmm. rather than um, anything formally through. We don't have a have that platform set up yet, so maybe that's something we need to to go figure out. Um, Trish, in terms of hosts and hosting, and obviously that's kind of the the bread and butter of your your training. Um, program is kind of getting people up to speed in terms of how to self-manage self-host what are the biggest mistakes people make um, when hosting oh there's a lot um first of all i think a lot of people um aren't very customer friendly when they respond to guests i think that is like really that can make or break your entire your entire listing um just having the hospitality mindset when you're answering people, um, they're not doing you a favor by staying there. Like you're, you have to basically treat them as you would like a family member and make it special before they even come. Um, so like we talk about different, um, actually we have a freebie that on our website that you can download, which is like message templates that goes through our entire um, I think there's seven or eight of them that we put out for each guest and they are like 
lifesavers because you don't have to think about what you're going to say. They go out automatically, a lot of them, and you can um, stop questions before they even are asked. So I think communication is key. If you're not communicating at all, then people get annoyed that you, you know, I don't know this or I don't know that. And they didn't answer, like not answering your communications or not giving enough information up front, either in your listing or through your guest communications, because people are trying to go on a vacation to usually relax or, you know, unwind. They don't want to be worried about like, how do I get in? Uh, what time is check-in or what do I have to do, you know, before I leave or is is the area good? Or, you know, they want to know these things um, without having to try too hard, you know? So those message templates are key. Communication is like number one. Makes a lot of sense. Those are all really good tips. Um, I'm curious about uh, amenities. And this, maybe this was a question I should ask 20 minutes ago when we were talking about what, you know, what makes a house stand out. Um, but Wait, I, I know, yeah, you, you can fix this, right, John? Yeah, <laughs> he loves doing that. So, but you know, I, I ask my questions on this podcast because I'm legitimately curious about these things. So if some random question pops up in my head, I'm, I'm going to totally ruin the whole thing and, and ask the question. So, you know, if you have, and this is one of the reasons why I've, I've kind of drug my feet on investing in short-term rentals is because Number one, I don't know what I'm doing in the short-term rental space, right? I, I don't know what's good and I don't know what's bad. And then when I see a lot of saturation in that particular market, it makes me kind of go, I don't know. Let's wait a minute. So if you've got a house or let's say you've got a block and you've got three identical houses sitting on that block and all three of them are short-term rentals, how are you going to make somebody come to this one that belongs to you as opposed to the other two? Um, and I'm not talking about the advertising piece, like take pretty pictures, because I think anybody can do that by hiring a photographer. Um amenities are you offering or are you telling your students in your program to offer particular amenities like hey i let dogs come in you know those types of things is there anything that people can use as an edge uh, to compete in a saturated market yeah so we definitely make sure that you evaluate your competition in the market before you start listing your property so making sure that you have at least all the same amenities that your competition does so like for example in Blue Ridge, Georgia, you have to have a hot tub. Like if you don't have a hot tub, no one's going to book your place, right? So that's a requirement. You have to have a hot tub. And then what you do, you know, what can you do to go above and beyond that? Is there an area that you can have a game room that other people don't have? Like we love to do, I have this little Pac-Man machine that is like the old arcade one that you sit at, you know, and you can play two player. It's got like 30 different games on it. People go nuts for that thing. Like kids will sit at for hours, which the adults love because they can drink beer on the patio. You know, they can have a good time while the kids are entertained. So having things like that, or if something, you know, if people start talking about something you have in a house, that's really, they really love, like for us, we have amazing views. So our deck is, excuse the pun, decked out with tons of, we've got outdoor games like the massive Jenga. We've got cornhole. We've got this really plush, like amazing furniture from West Elm. Like it's gorgeous. We've got the outdoor fireplace, outdoor TV, like outdoor TV, I would say is another big amenity. Um, that's a little different. Not everyone has one. Um, but it's really going to depend on your market. So what sells in that area? Like, 
you know, if it's Seattle and you're going to be outside for three months, maybe don't put a ton of money into your deck. Like you can make it nice, but if people are mostly going to be inside, like what can people do inside? You can have a pop a shot or you can have arcade games or, you know, really old vintage stuff. Um, have like a dance room, you know, you can do like black lights and have little costumes people can put on and have like a dance party. Like just having something that stands out. That It's right up John's alley. Yeah, I could totally see that. You yeah. get the like cool man thing. Wait, how can I squeeze a dance room <laughs> into a condo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just having something different, you know, like garage. just like you said, like professional photography, yes, is a must. You have to have professional photography. But having that first picture as something that's very unique to the market, like, you know, if you have a black a black light room that has like glow-in-the-dark pool balls on a, a billiard table or something like that, like have that as your first picture. So people are like, ooh, what's that? And they click on it. And then you have to have those great reviews so that people are like, yes, awesome place. Lori's a great host, great communication, loved our stay. That's what's really going to get people in the door. That's super, super interesting. It's it, all good stuff. And, uh, and it's making me think about the different things that I look for whenever my family and I, we book Airbnbs all the time or, or Verbos and um, we will not book one unless it has a ping pong table. Mm-hmm. I don't, don't ask me why. It's just something that all of us dorks like to do is ping pong. So we'll, we'll sit out in a garage for like three straight hours and just play ping pong just cause it's, I don't know, it's a fun family pastime, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's all good stuff. And, um, I think people need to write all those down and, and really try to figure out how you can stand out against your, your competition. We're, we're getting a little short on time and I, I really want to know some more things about the remote host hub. So, uh, maybe if you guys wouldn't mind pitching that a little bit, telling us about it, how you guys interact with it and how the, I guess the platform is set up and what people can expect when they sign up. Yeah. So remote host hub is an education platform that Trish and I started kind of, we saw a need for telling people how they can self-manage their properties from any distance. So all of our properties are thousands of miles away from us, um, and we're able to manage those properties in less than a couple hours a week. So really getting your systems in place, you know, we're big systems people. So um, on our website, we have the remote host handbook, which is start to finish a handbook that you could turn over to say a VA or someone that you hire as think of it like a training manual, right? From start to finish after buying the property, how you furnish it, where you get everything from the message templates, how we communicate, even just saying like the words that we use, like we say my pleasure. So um, all of that is contained within this training manual that we created Um, and then that's kind of the DIY side of it. If you want a do it with me, uh, option, we're launching a course this fall. So it's going to be, you know, all of that key information on how you manage the systems that you need to set up so that you're not spending all your time managing a property. Um, and then you also have the support from us and other real estate investors that are kind of right there with you. Uh, so that's really what Remote Host Hub is. And we're doing a, it's going to be too late by the time this comes out, but tonight we actually have a live call, uh, Mastering STR Success. But 
we have them all the time. And um, so those are always up on our website if people want to join in free. And we have some freebies on there, like 23 best markets to invest in in 2023. We have some done for you lists, which is like Amazon shopping list. You can just add all the things to your cart of all the things that you need for kitchenwares, consumables, um, basically everything that you'll need for setting up a short-term rental. Uh, and then like Trish was mentioning before, our message templates are up there too. So yeah, that's kind of remote host hub in a nutshell. <laughs> that's And if you're listening to this, just go check out the website. Link will be in the show notes. That is pretty much everything you need to get started or at least start thinking about getting started. That's an incredible value. Um, so you said you've got a course coming up. What does the course look like? So the course um, will be eight weeks. Um, we'll have different uh, modules um, from start to finish. So, so from from buying to setting up to um managing and then to like getting your first like five-star review and it'll be um once a week we'll have a live call with it so it'll be like a module that you kind of do on your own and you have go at your own pace and then each week we'll we'll be on live for questions and we'll also have a facebook group um so during that time you can ask questions in the facebook group or you can ask us directly and basically just to kind of if someone wants to start in short-term rentals, but they don't really want to do it on their own and they want someone to talk to, um, to ask those questions. That's what we're, we're providing. And we also, um, do it from a space of remote. So like a lot of people might not want to have a vacation rental in their local markets. Maybe their market's not really cut out for that, or, um, they can't afford it at that, at that price point. Like a lot of people, um, you know, in different areas like New York city. So, um, you might want to go remotely and that's basically how we teach you to do it from, with all the technology that we use, we give every, everything we give you, everything that we do is, is there for you. That's amazing. What I think the ad, the other added value is, uh, I've taken a couple of courses was the camaraderie and going full circle to the start of this conversation is building those connections and that kind of repetition of accountability with other people so um people shouldn't discount taking a course uh also a bit of skin in the game right i think kyle will speak will agree with that putting 100%. a bit of money yeah. on the table and investing in yourself is it makes you wake up yeah. and pay attention yeah it definitely does i that's I mean, that's part of why we're, Lori and I are even here because we put money out to join GoBundance and we, you know, and now look how far we've yeah. gotten so far. Amazing. Trish, Laurie, thank you so much uh, for your your advice and guidance. I feel like I've got a lot out of this in my own personal <laughs> short-term so rental. Um, what's the best way for people to get in touch yeah, with Yeah, so the website obviously is remotehosthub.com. Um, and we're mostly on Instagram. You can send us a, a DM. It's also remote host hub there. Um, you can also send us an email connect at remotehosthub.com. Um, but yeah, Instagram, we're always, you know, going on there, adding tips and tricks and things that aren't working, things that are working and we're in the DM. So if you ever have any questions or 
want to reach out, that's a great way to get a hold of us. Amazing. And we'll put those links in the, uh, the show notes. Thank you both for your, for your time today. I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks Thank for having us. And we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Invest Stories. If you like what you heard, please consider sharing and writing a five-star review. 